0: So we're going to spend the next four weeks um, on a topic that I've been asked if I would revisit and uh, spend some time on and something that, a topic that we um, looked at probably about five years ago, some a little more than that maybe, that I took actually an extended period of time, three or four weeks to talk about it. And that's the idea of finance or particular financial freedom that I want to talk about it or not. And somebody here I know what's going on right now in somebody's head. They're going, oh, wow, I don't want to hear this. You know, finance just isn't spiritual. It's not spiritual. You know, it's really not. Well, uh, sorry to tell you, it really is. And so we're going to revisit some things about financial freedom. And this is what this is not. It's not a. am not going to talk to you about how you're supposed to get rich. Um, matter of fact, I don't think that's God's plan for a lot of people. Because it, it really destroys a lot of people pursuing after that. Not that finances are bad. Lots of money is great as long as you use it for the right thing. Um, but we're going to talk about freedom Financial freedom. And what I want to do is revisit some of the things that I taught about five years ago. Because whatever we think about it, believe it or not, finances, money, is an incredibly spiritual topic. Um, And honestly, money is something that each one of us, whether we want to admit it or not, thinks about every day. We utilize it every single day. Who didn't get any bills this month? Okay. You think about it all the time, right? You got bills in the mail. Yeah, some of you kids are going, "I going not need any bills this month." Yeah. <laughs> food is free. <laughs> you know, it's in the refrigerator, it magically materializes. Every time I open the door, I'll, no, there's a magic word. It's not abracadabra. It's "Mom." <laughs> right? Why is there no and whatever it is or there's no food in this house? You know, but we think about money, you know, every single day we utilize money every day of our lives. So certainly it's a topic that's worth the time to look at for a purpose, to gain God's view about finances. And that's what I'm hoping we're going to have over the next couple of weeks. I'm hoping to accomplish over these next weeks that we're going to see finances um, from God's point of view. Because uh, I really do believe it's different than the point of view of most of the world. And so I want to start off by reading a quote that I think I've probably read before, but from a, a guy in the Christian world who's a great teacher, Bill Hybels. He's just a phenomenal. His gift is teaching. And he wrote this about finances. I think it's just, it's just spot on. It says, we go to school to become equipped to earn it. Then we spend almost the rest of our lives, 40 to 60 hours a week, actually earning it. We invest countless hours in thought and discussion on how we're going to handle it. We walk around shopping malls determining how we're going to spend it. We get caught up more often than we'd care to admit, worrying about we won't, that we won't have enough of it. We dream and scheme to figure out ways to acquire more of it. Arguments over it are among the leading causes of marital disintegration, business partner breakups, and governmental shutdowns. Despair over losing it causes suicide. The obsession with getting it causes many of society's crimes. The absence of it causes many of society's nightmares. Some call it the root of all evil. Some call it the means for great good. But we cannot afford to ignore the reality or the importance of it. Money. You know, I think he hits the nail right on the head here. And not only does he hit the nail on the head, the Bible hits the nail on the head here. Um, The Bible doesn't ignore the topic of money. In fact, it claims to be um, a guidebook, in in essence, on money and money management. Because there are some 2,000 passages in the Bible that refer to money and the use of money. That when Jesus taught approximately two-thirds of Jesus' parables make some reference to money. So the Bible is going to be our guidebook throughout this couple of weeks together as we look on this idea of finances, it's trying to say, God, how can we be people who live in freedom in the area of finances? So as we go through this series, it's not my intention to simply impart some kind of biblical knowledge to you or even some finance knowledge. You know, in a different life, it seems like many, 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 many years ago, my track uh, in life career was financial planning. At one time, when I was actually fairly young, I was a, a licensed financial planner. I was a security license, you know, stocks and bonds. That was my direction in life. Um, It's not my intention to talk about that. Whenever I talk about that stuff, I don't very much anymore, because what happens is people then come up to me and say, hey, Pastor, I want to talk to you about investing. And I'll say, no, that's a different life. I don't remember that. I'm not saying it's bad to talk about that stuff, but that's not what I want to talk about. I don't think, I want to talk about, you know, what's God thinking? I want to help you gain a godly perspective about finance. And I want to give you guidelines and principles that will help you to live a life of financial freedom. Now this is what I know because I've been pastoring for almost 25 years now. So anytime I'm in a group of people like this, I know there's extremes. I know that some of you here are bound by financial chains. I know that maybe some of you debt is holding you down, and that's it's literally it's like a weight upon you. And and for some of you it's not that, but it's an idea that an obsession for more stuff is causing you problems. You just really believe a lie that the world is really good at teaching you. The world's teaching you the lie that if you just have more of something, that, this, the other thing, that somehow you will be happier. I'm telling you, it's just not true. Friends, what God wants for us when it comes to the topic of finances is God wants us to be free. I didn't say wealthy, although being wealthy can be a really good thing if you use it for the right purposes. But what God wants us in the area of finances, he wants us to be free. Where money isn't a problem in your personal life, in your marriage, or money, conflict over money is not a problem. It's also not a trap for your lives. That it's something that doesn't control you. So that's my goal. You know, I also know this in a room. We've got people on one side of the spectrum that are, that are controlled by maybe the debts of the chains of debt or obsession for more stuff. I also know that some of you have achieved a measure of financial freedom in your life. And, and I should say this, financial freedom in the sense that you have, you really have more than you need. And, um, and that's very possible in a culture of affluence. We live in a culture of affluence. We live in a culture where, where um, there really is a lot. America. The numbers are a little old, but America has about three percent of the world's population and two-thirds of all the money. You know, so that's just the reality. So you can say, "Oh, I'm struggling in America." Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying people don't struggle in America. What I'm saying is, we really have—we live in a culture of, of abundance. And I know that some of you here have reached and achieved a measure of financial freedom. And so maybe this series, what it's going to do, is it's going to reinforce your desire to maintain that freedom. Um, that's what I hope. But maybe also. This series is going to help you. It's going to inspire you to be even more strategic with how you use your money for good purposes, and that would be a blessed outcome because that's what God would want. God's not opposed us having money, even lots, lots of it, as long as we use it for the right purposes. So, so let's look at our at our um, at a, a topic I want to begin with as I think about this idea of finances In an area that you say, oh, really, you're going to talk? That's where you're going to start? But I think it's the, it's the proper and the right starting place. And we're going to spend a few weeks talking about finances. And we're going to start by dealing with the topic of work. W-O-R-K. You say, well, why would you want to start with the topic of work? Well, this is the reason why. Financial freedom starts with what? With finances. And finances come from what? Work. Now, there are a rare few, but only a very few that will inherit a fortune in their life. Some do. But that's not the norm. And believe it or not, contrary even to some veins of, of evangelical prosperity-type thinking in the, in, the, in the Pentecostal and Charismatic world, believe it or not, it's not, God isn't in the business of magically materializing money for His people. Now, I didn't say God doesn't supply and bless, because Suzanne and I are, are examples, living examples of incredible financial blessings from the Lord. But God isn't in the business of, of magically materializing money for his people. No, God intends for people to earn money by working. And I want to start here because working is something that occupies the majority of our awake time. Maybe the reason I needed a snicker bar is saying, you know what, I've just been laying on the deck of a, of a ship eating all day long. Doing nothing. Laying in the sun. And that's what you do on a cruise that you do. You lay in the sun and you eat. And uh, I did not get on the scale. I get on the scale every day of my life. I did not get on the scale since I've been home. Like, nope. I refuse to see what that number is. Because it's not going to be pretty. Um, but working is something that occupies the majority of our awake time. So we should have a proper view of work. And And believe it or not, Work isn't intended to be a four-letter word. You know what I mean when I say four-letter word? You know, they still use that term anymore, something's a four-letter word, it's a cuss word. You know, I know work has four letters, but God doesn't intend for work to be a swear word, to be a four-letter word. Sometimes, you know, we get the idea that work is the result of sin in the world. It's the result of fall, that if sin didn't enter the world, we'd all just be living in a garden, doing nothing all day. And we think that Adam and Eve sinned, and so God kicked them out of the garden, and he says, now you're going to work. And he did say that. He said, matter of fact, your work's going to be pretty unproductive. Um, you know, here's the, here's the reality about this, friends. Work existed before the fall of sin. Work existed first. Adam and Eve worked in the garden. God was trying to communicate something. Labor, work, is a good thing. I think that life in the garden kind of went something like this. God came to Adam and Eve in the garden and said, you know what, look, you have talent, and you have abilities. Now, what you need is a challenge. So I'm going to give you the challenge of work. He says to Adam and Eve, now, organize the garden, name the animals, use those skills that I've given you, and in doing this, you'll bring glory to God, bring glory to himself. You'll develop your abilities, and you'll experience the joy and the pride of accomplishment. Friends, that's what work does. Work. God looks at work as a positive thing. Work brings glory to God. Work develops our abilities. It's because we have to develop them because somebody's expecting us to, they're paying us to do something. We've got to get better at it. Work provides the joy of accomplishment. When you get that big project done or that little project done, there's a joy of I, I, I worked hard at this and I got it done. And the work is a way to provide for ourselves and to provide for others that, that either we're responsible for or we choose to be responsible for. So we need to develop a healthy opinion about work. See, I found that a lot of people believe, and this is the way I was raised, and so it's been hard for me to undo this thinking, that work is what you endure in order to earn the money to buy the things you want and to do the things you want to do on the weekend. That was pretty much the mindset I was raised with. Work is something you endure to get what you want and do what you want. So So you just, you work and you endure it and you pretty much hate it but it's all designed so that you're working. What's that? Remember, Lover Boy? Everybody's working for the weekend. That was kind of the theme of our life growing up, and a lot of you had the same upbringing as me. Um, work simply becomes a means to an end. Sure, work hard, but don't enjoy it. I think that's a pretty common viewpoint, even among Christian people. But friends, I don't think that that's a very healthy view of work, especially since we spend so much of our awake time engaged. In work, And I don't think it's a biblical view either. So what I want to do is I want to look at a scripture that can give us some guidelines about work. And this is a verse. Um, it's one that you need to underline in your Bible. You need to memorize. It's one that, that I go back to all the time. Matter of fact, this particular verse, at one time in my life, I had written on a card in my wallet. And I'd pull it out and reread it as a pretty new believer to remind myself what God had to say about work. Um, and so it's a verse that I've looked to for years while working, especially when I was frustrated with whatever particular station of work I was at at that stage of my life. When I'm just like, "Really, God, this is all there is," um, and it was this verse, Colossians chapter three. Some of you know where I'm going. Colossians chapter three, one verse, verse twenty-three. Colossians three twenty-three. That's pretty easy to memorize, right? Colossians three twenty-three, and this is what it says. You there? See so you turning, Colossians. Galatians Ephesians Philippians Colossians Colossians 3:23 says this, whatever you do, do your work heartily, as unto the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as unto the Lord. We're going to we're going to dissect that this morning and talk about what's to teach us about the uh, what how we should work as children of God. What illumination is God giving to us uh, as our loving Heavenly Father about how we should approach work. And this verse has a lot to say about that. So whatever you do, do your work heartily as unto the Lord. First thing I see in this verse, as we kind of tear it apart, is that we are to work. That work isn't an option. It says, do your work, right? Whatever you do, do your work heartily as unto the Lord. So that so working isn't an option. We're saying do our work. And I understand something some of you could be dismissing what I'm going to say right now because of your stage of life. And I know work changes throughout life. There's some exceptions and work can look different, but we're all supposed to be engaged in, in work to some capacity. So you could know you could some of you could say, Well, you know what? Um, I, I I work in the home, I raise kids, I care for for family. That's work. You might not get a paycheck. I always told Suzanne when when I would go off to work and she was home with the kids and they were small, I'd always say, But baby, listen. Your job is ten times harder than mine. It is. I I don't understand how taking care of little kids all day, you know, pull your hair right out of your head, you know. Um, Never get a break. Um, Some of you are saying amen right now, right? Right? Little kids. So that's a different kind of work. Others, due to maybe our economy, are looking for work or looking for a different kind of job than you're used to. You're not maybe working right now. You lost a you lost your, your job and you're looking for work. And others, due to maybe injury, you hurt your back or something or health reasons, you're not working right now. Maybe you're going to do it again or maybe you're permanently, you can't work the way you're used to working. And some of you are in a position in life where financially you don't need to have money, so you're volunteering your services. Now, those are all types of work. But for all the rest of us th- that aren't the asterisks, these little things, I'm doing this different or that different, or I'm at a different stage of life. All the rest of us are to, are to work, meaning we go to some kind of employment and we earn a paycheck. We accomplish something with our gifts and our abilities, and we are, you know, our, the question is, are we as believers taking seriously God's command to work? He said, "Whatever you do, work heartily. Go to work." You know. Um, so we're taking seriously his work to, uh, to identify our unique skills and interests and to find a place where we can be used, um, in employment. See, here's something that we need to understand. And I think the American culture is the first culture, maybe in history, that's taught something contrary to this. And it's this, that, that, friends, God didn't create you to just sit. He didn't create you to, to work, you know, to, to just your life, but the ideal part of life, the, kind of the American dream would really be, I worked for a few years, and then I had nothing to do with the rest of my life. We met a guy in a cruise ship, and I, I wanted to, I was dumbfounded. We had two little twin two-year-olds, and every time we went to them, they were running around, and, and everybody else was annoyed by them, and we liked them. We were playing with the little tw- twin two-year-olds. It was a, a Hispanic gal and an African-American man, and he was a New York City cop, and he's been a cop for ten years. I'm talking about life and future, and he says, 10 more years and I can retire. <laughs> he goes, when they're 12, I can retire. <laughs> and that was, he's like, so, so, so be a New York City cop, you work 20 years and you're out. Now, go to bed, but I'm looking at him, he's saying, I'm done working when my kids are 12 years old, he's, and he's going to work 20 years and out. Um, and his idea was, he was a really nice guy. Knew nothing about the Lord, as far as I could tell. But really nice guy. But his idea was, the greatest thing in the world would be to just sit. I don't have to do anything anymore. I can just sit. I don't have to go to work. Well, God didn't create us just to sit. He created us to be occupied. That's why it's called an occupation. To be occupied with work. In fact, Scripture says this, and it's a hard statement. It says in Second Thessalonians 3.10, he says, If anyone will not work, neither let him eat. That's a pretty hard statement. kind of goes against the culture of a free lunch. If anyone will not work, neither let them eat. You know, Paul wrote this to the Thessalonian church because some of them were leading really undisciplined lives. He occasionally calls them busybodies. They were doing no work at all, and they were just kind of getting in everybody's affairs. He says, listen, call command of those people um, to work, and then he says, now eat your own food. The way we might say it today is, listen, don't be a freeloader. That's what Paul was saying to to believers. So it's not been just a new problem. It's been around, but I think it's exaggerated now. And I think as a whole, southeast Wisconsin, a lot of us are German. How many part Germans are in this place? Yeah, I think 60% of of the eight-mile radius, 60% of us are predominantly German. Now, only saying that for one reason. Germans are known to have a good work ethic. Now, a lot of you are other ethnicities, and you work hard. Do it's not what I'm saying, but I think as a whole, our culture, where we where we are right now, we have a pretty good work ethic, you know, and we need to maintain that because we live in a society where entitlement thinking is prevailing. It's becoming the normal thought for people in our where everybody owes me something, you know, where where somebody ought to want to pay for for me. And I just want to say this. That's just not right. It's not biblical. It's a false thinking. Um, the Apostle Paul says we are to work for what we have. He'd say this way, listen, there are no free lunches. This idea of a free lunch, the, the, the reality of free lunches is somebody had to pay for it somewhere. You know. And so there are no free lunches. And I say this, parents, teach your children, grandparents, teach your children this lesson. Teach them that work is a good thing. Teach them that work is a good thing. We're, we're counteracting a culture that's trying to say work is a bad thing. The Bible says it's good. We should be teaching our kids that work is a good thing. And young people, those people who don't have a career yet, those people who thought it was free, that food is, didn't have pay any bills, you know, mom puts food in the refrigerator, it magically appears, you're, you're, you're in school yet, you know, young people meaning you're not yet working a career. Maybe you're all the way up through college. Let me give you a little advice about work. You are going to be employed, unlike the New York City cop. I don't know where that job comes from. There's not a lot of them around where you work 20 years and you're done. You're going to be employed 30 to 50 years of your life. Here's what I recommend you do. Ask God what he wants you to do at that time. Then search out what you are uniquely gifted to do. What did God create you for? And then think about what interests you have. What would you like to do? With your days, so you don't have the way I was raised. It says you hate what you do. The reason I was raised that way is the people in my life that were working hated what they were doing because they didn't fit. You know, find out what do you what do you like to do, and then get whatever education or training you need to get that employment. Do that. You're young, and we're in a land of opportunity where you can do that, and then get to work. And you know why you're getting to work to earn a living, but you know what you're also doing? Get to work and take Jesus with you into the marketplace. You know, that's one of the reasons God uniquely fits us for so many different types of work. As we go into various work environments, with all different giftings we have, we have the opportunity to establish the kingdom of God in that place and to share the love of Christ with the people we work for and with. Can I give you a great example of that from just this last week? And I should have asked for permission first, but I'm going to share a story because it's not embarrassing, but where's my daughter-in-law? Don't get mad at me, okay? I'm going to share something. Sam just switched jobs. And Sam, is, she went to school to be a hairdresser. She got in there for a while. She said, I don't really like this. And she said, I want to go to do what I've done in the past, which is being a nanny. And so she filled out a resume, and she began to look for nannying jobs. And on her resume, she put as one of her work experiences, working in the in the childcare at Portview Church. And so she put that in her resume, and, and the family, she ended up um, starting last week taking care of their children. Two kids kind of live on the east side, um, like Glendale-ish area over there somewhere. And um, they looked at her resume, and they saw that, what she did at, at church, and they said, well, if you want to teach that stuff to our kids, you could do that. <laughs> and so probably a family, because what they refer to as that stuff, Probably means they don't know what that stuff's about. (laughs) But friends, she she came back and goes, you know, hey, and they asked her, don't be so, we're going to help her get some materials and say, start teaching, you know, Bible lessons to the, I think it's a little one and a four-year-old, you know, so, what, one in four, something like that. Um, And so they gave her an open door to say, tell our children about Jesus. Uh, Friends, you may not have that kind of an open door, but that's why God, gives us differently and calls us to different things. Somebody could say, well, why would you have left this to go do that? I'll tell you why you left this to go do that. Because the person said, why don't you teach my kids about that Jesus stuff? That's why. Because it is about making a living. We have to earn a living. But Jesus creates us differently. That's why we've got to figure out, who did he make me to be? That's why you want to be a round peg in a round hole instead of a square peg in a round hole, if you have the choice. Because God created you to get there and do something that you are fit for, and then to, in, in that perfect fit now, bring Jesus to that environment. Whatever that environment might be. So, first thing we see here from the, from the Colossians is that we're supposed to work, right? What's the second thing we see? It's this. Second thing I see is that we are to work in a certain way. We're to work heartily. We are to work hard, or work heartily. When we work, we should give it all we have, basically. We are to be hard workers. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of job you have, white collar or blue collar. All of us, when we're employed in our work, should be working hard at what we do. We should put a lot of energy into it. We should use integrity. Um, we should be disciplined what we do. I've worked all kinds of jobs, a myriad of jobs. I've milked cows. I've caught and created thousands of chickens. I worked at a chicken farm for years. Um, you thought the smelliest job in the world. Um, I have wheeled, I don't know how many tons of concrete in my life. I have run punch presses. I have, for years, ran printing presses. I sold insurance and securities for years. Um, I've planted and pastored churches. Um, I've done all kinds of different kinds of jobs. And in all of these, and let me tell you something, part of doing all those jobs was to find where I fit. I thought I fit in other places. It took, me, it took me a number of years to figure out where I fit. It took me a reason. I made a joke in the past, and I shouldn't say this. I, always, I never wasn't raised going to church. I we went a couple times a year. And I remember always thinking, I would never be that pastor of a church I went to. And here's why I concluded it. And forgive me for saying this. This is a kid growing up, going to church a couple times a year. I said, There's two things I, I know wouldn't fit with me. As I thought this, now excuse me in advance, I thought all, all ministers were gay. And I said, I'm definitely not gay. I like girls, um, a lot, you know. And I said they're all poor. I said I don't want to be poor, so I definitely wouldn't go down that direction. So it kind to wind around a long ways because I found out, you know what? You can be exactly who you are. That, that my fit, what I was created to do, was what I do now. But I had to get, I had to wiggle through a lot of turns to get me to that place, to where I understood, you know. So I was almost thirty when I finally started pastoring for the first time in my life, um, you know, my late, my late 20s. And so, so anyways, I've done all kinds of things, and this is what I've learned. In all of these, I have found that hard work pays off, that employers generally promote and reward, reward hard workers, that that, is, that doesn't always happen, but almost always happens. Hard-working employees are a great value to their employers, and everybody who's an employer here says, amen, with a good attitude, right, with a good attitude. Um, and, friends, this is how God wants us to represent him in the workplace, hard workers with a good attitude, right? You shouldn't be having to be given a snicker bar every day, you know. <laughs> Christians should be the best employees a company has. As a matter of fact, we were walking through the southwest terminal, and there was a sign on the wall, and I said, I want to tear it off and take it back and hang it up in the church. It said, every employee has an attitude Ours just have good ones, and I said, I said I'm going to take that and take it to the church and say every church person has an attitude. Port views are good ones, and that's what I said to her as we're walking through the as we're walking through the terminal. And so that's how God wants us to represent Him in the workplace. Christians should be the best employees a company or a person ever has. So He says we should work and we should work heartily, and that brings us into the third thing that we should look at from our Scripture here. That that we are to work heartily but toward a certain goal. Work hardly, what? As unto the Lord. The reason why we work hard isn't just to make our earthly boss happy or to earn a paycheck or to make our company lots of money. In the end, it's really to honor our Lord. Really, we are to work. um, When we're we're working, we are working for him. That's what I often had to remind myself in tough times at work. I'm really working for Jesus here. This has been a great help for me a number of times in my life. And, you know, I always said, I'm kind of not really joking. I think I've had some of the meanest bosses anyone could have ever have. I think it was on purpose. God said, if I don't give this a rotten guy to work for, uh, he's probably going to stay doing this. You know, because I'm trying to, God should pull me this way. And I'm going, no, God, I want to go this way. I'm going to be a financial planner and do all this stuff. You know, and, and so God gave me a bunch of really rotten people that worked for over the year, over the years. Um, and... At those times, I would be tempted to do one of two things. Either slack off or walk off. You know what? Just slack off. Say, fine, I'm just going to be like everybody else and get nothing done. Or just walk off the job and take your job. I'm going home. You know, I'll do something else. But guess what? God showed me that I'm not just working for some human boss. Over and over again, he showed me that. That I am ultimately always working for him. And I want to do my very best for Jesus in all that I do. Right? So when you were at work, whether you got a good boss or you're the boss, people call you the good boss or the bad boss, when you're at work, ask yourself a question. If Jesus was my supervisor, would I work differently? Because really, guess what? He is. He really is. Work as though Jesus is your supervisor because he really is your supervisor. This will help you get through hard days um, and prompt you constantly to do your very best. So, work is spiritual. Let's wrap it up. We are to work. We're to work hardly. We're to work hardly as unto the Lord. God has created us to be people who work and work hard. There's great reward for that. Christians should be the best employers, employees rather, and employers. Because we are not only working for a boss, but for God, and we need to thank God for our work, because it's as a result of work that we get to earn the money that we need, the finances, that we can then um, learn how to use those to be financially free. And so work is the right starting point. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to get a little more specific about financial principles and ways to achieve financial freedom, and I Think you'll want to be here because work is a pretty big part of our lives right amen would you stand with me this morning let's pray together Lord I want to uh, pray in a certain way that maybe we're not used to a lot of times Lord we're we probably come to you in prayer and our prayer request is that you would change our work But Lord, I want to ask you today to help us appreciate our work. And Lord, on behalf of our whole church family, I want to thank you for our work. Thank you for our jobs. Thank you for the places we get to go to to bring the kingdom of God. To work hard and use our gifts and talents to produce so that we feel accomplishment. And Lord, we would ask today that you would bless our employers. You would bless every business owner. You would bless every employee. That Lord, people might not at first be able to put their finger on it, but they'd say, that that person, that person from Portview, they're the best employee I've ever had. And they would They might not get it, but what would be happening is they would see the fact that they're working hardly as unto the Lord and not unto men. And Father, I ask this. Work through us in our employment to bring honor to your name. Work through us this week. Some will have to go to work tonight. Some work third shift. They'll they'll leave here, get some sleep, and go to work tonight. Lord, bless them. Work through them. To make your name great, Lord, provide for us. Some people in this room need a—they need a better job, they need a place where they where they become a round peg and a round hole. Father, work them through the twists and the turns of their life to get them exactly where they need to be, and help each of us learn along the way. So, Father, thank you for work. Thank you that work existed before the fall and that we can, you can redeem work through us. You can send us off to places and we can take your love into the places that there's no other way your love would ever, would ever shine. For the people we work with never darken the doorstep of a church, many of them, they don't really know any people who genuinely know and love you. But when you send us into those places, God, we go there to shine like stars in the darkness. God, help us to shine this week. God, maybe we need to make some adjustments. Maybe we've been slacking off. This, the drudgery of it's got, got us down. This morning, spur us on towards loving good deeds, good deeds at work. Encourage our church. Use our church to be a blessing wherever we go in our workaday world. Help us bring glory to your name. so that you will be honored. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.